speaking. This is episode 43. I really need to stop saying the episode number. My name's Nate Harris. I'm Colson Craig. Colson, how have you been? It's been a couple weeks. It has been a couple weeks. I've been well. I graduated college. That's exciting. I graduated college as well. What a coincidence. Yeah, it's crazy how that works. It's like it's all on the same day or something. Yeah, weird. Yeah. Congratulations to you. Congratulations to you. Thank you. Thank you. So... What are you up to now? Tell the tell the world. Uh, well, uh, I am lounging around for the next couple of weeks until my internship over the summer starts. Uh, and last week, uh, this past week, I spent the first week of my little break here uh, flying out to Mountain View to go to Google I.O. 2018. Uh, so as opposed to staring at the TV at 1 o'clock on Eastern Standard Time, and like just yelling at an excitement and ranting on Twitter. Um, I got to do all that, but in California this time. <laughs> Much nicer. <laughs> Much nicer. Yeah, in person. Uh, very, very nice weather, a little hot, a little sunny, got a little sunburned, uh, but it's fun. Uh, so I was there when, uh, and this is something we have to discuss, so I'm going to go right into it. I was there when Google broke the Turing test. Yeah, I, uh, I oh man, I watched that. That was, whew. <laughs> Oh, man. So for those that don't know, we're talking about uh, a new, I guess it's a new Google product. They say, looking back, actually, they said it was going to roll out in the next couple weeks, which is better than like a couple months, they said, about other things. Um, but it is called Google Duplex. <laughs> um, and it basically is the Google Assistant on steroids after years of like research into machine learning and text-to-speech and what it basically is, they demoed it at Google I.O. Um, it is your Google Assistant, basically, that can place a phone call for you uh, to set up like a, a reservation or an appointment like at a hair salon or something um, that may not already have like, you know, on open table or something online they can use um, some businesses. You just have to call them. Uh, and so this is the Google Assistant making that phone call for you. So you say, hey, call, set up me, set up an appointment at a hair salon. Uh, between 10 and 2 next Wednesday or whatever. And in the background, you're not on the call. The Google Assistant will call the uh, call the store and set up and uh, call the store and set up the appointment. But the th real interesting part of it was it didn't sound like the normal Google Assistant, which in itself is pretty good at sounding kind of natural, but still sounds you still know it's a robot. This was souped up and very very realistic. To the point that um, the people on the other line uh, probably didn't know they were talking to a robot. And that's probably the most uh, poignant uh, thing that people have been kind of attacking and, and doing negative press about this. Which it, it deserves, rightfully so, is that it doesn't, uh, they didn't know they were talking to a robot. And it initially didn't tell them it was a robot. Uh, it just said, I'm setting up an appointment for a client. So as far as they knew, they were talking to somebody's secretary or something. Um, since then, they have said, Google has said that they'll figure out a way to make it identify itself as a Google Assistant. But it's kind of the fine line they're walking of. They want it to be realistic because they feel like somebody would hang up if they knew they were talking to a robot. But also not, you know, give this impression that you're talking to a robot and deceive people. Um, and so this is very scary because it was super realistic. Um, it actually in its natural flow when it was thinking uh the machine inserted 
ums and uh-huhs and like natural stutters, uh, the flow of the conversation, it all sounded very, very, very natural. Um, I and so read the description before I watched it. Uh-huh. And it was just like, you know, Google duplex will make phone calls for you to make appointments. And I was like, man, that sounds like the person on the other end of the line is going to be like, I don't want to talk to a robot and hang up. And then I watched the video and I was like, oh dear, this is something entirely different. It's very impressive. Yeah. Oh, it's impressive, but it's a little scary. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's impressive technologically wise about how it was able to actually handle the conversation. The first demo they showed was in them calling a hair salon and the person on the other line, you know, spoke great English and it was their, what they were saying was very clear and they were kind of sticking to a basic script. And so I, I felt like in that situation, okay, well, it'd be easy for a voice assistant to respond to that because she's not, you know, the, the human being is not being difficult or any kind of communication error. Uh, but then they did the second demo and the second demo was making a, a, uh, a reservation at a restaurant and there you could tell that the, the human on the other line, you know, ha had some difficulty speaking English. Um, you know, there was a breakdown in communication. They didn't understand. The robot was asking for a reservation on the seventh, but the human thought they were talking about seven people for the reservation. And so there was some confusion, but the Google assistant didn't crap out. And instead was able to keep up with the conversation, understand the flow of the conversation and, even when the person said like, oh, you don't need a reservation for only four people. You only need it for five and above. The Google assistant said, oh, okay, I understand. And then ended the conversation. Yeah. So that, Sorry, that, was more impressive. that was more impressive than the idea that like, okay, so it's not just it can handle an easy back and forth conversation. But like even if there's some difficulty in the communication, the Google assistant can keep up. Um, obviously, if this ever comes out, people are going to try to trick it as much as possible, I, I think. Uh, it'd be fun to try to trick it and see like what are the limits of its conversational ability. Um, but yeah, so I think what really freaked people out was it sounded very natural, uh, which breaks the Turing test a little bit because people didn't know they were talking to a robot and the fact that it didn't identify itself as a robot. I think everybody can agree that the concept of we're, we're, at, we're, we're at the time where a voice assistant can make a phone call for you and set up a real live appointment in person is really cool but the way that it's being done is kind of alarming yeah and uh, i i think that it probably should say that it's it's not a person at the beginning but then again what does it really matter if it gets the job done as effectively and no one is any you know no one's the wiser mm -hmm. but it's more of just like from a moral perspective seems like the person on the other end of the phone has uh, the right to know, I guess. Yeah, there's definitely ethical things we have to talk about here. Um, and there's one thing that I was thinking about. Now, obviously, duplex is not just... Uh, it's easy to describe it as like assistant on steroids because it sounds even more natural and realistic than Google Assistant normally does. Um, but... Uh, maybe as a, a voice assistant, they also introduced at IO, they had a new way of actually making their voice assistant voices. So what they had done in the past was they had one person 
you know, there was an actual person who is the voice of the Google Assistant, and she would come in and they she would read some phrases and some sentences and get a lot of they'd have a lot of dialogue and a lot of data they could use on her, and then they would run that through some processing. They would you know clip out sounds or specific words, and maybe kind of stitch them together to kind of a hackney way of making an assistant, and they kind of refine that. They introduced a new process. I can't remember what it's called. It's like Waveform, WaveNet, or something. Um, and it's basically uh, they have invested a lot in machine learning over the past couple of years, and into the future they will even more. And one of the things they've done with machine learning is actually to be able to under have a machine understand like the underlying wave patterns and like frequencies of a person's voice and inflection and be able to replicate that. So what they were able to do is now they're able to take uh, a person and have them say far less phrases, still a lot to get a lot of data, but they don't have to say every sound imaginable and then feed that to the computer and the computer will be able to uh, replicate that and replicate their voice using that data to make new sounds and new words. Um, I saw they're going to have John Legend. Yes, they're going to have John Legend. They introduced six new voices, and that's actually out now. So I have like a kind of a deeper man voice, male voice, as opposed to the normal standard female voice. Kind of miss the standard female voice. It kind of grows on you after a while. Um, but they have that, yeah, they're going to have John Legend at the end of the year because they were able to pull him in and, you know, have him say whatever the necessary script is, and then they could have the machine replicate his voice. But what I was wondering is, uh, one of the the swag that we got at I/O this year was a Google Home Mini because they really want people to, you know, develop for the assistant and use the assistant. Did um, they give those out last year? I think they did as well. Yeah, uh, they might have given out a regular size Google Home last year. No, no, no. It was it was the Mini, right? Because the journalist took it home and discovered that it was recording at the wrong times, and that's why they disabled the. Uh, tap to record the tap to talk thing on the minis oh you're right yeah okay well then they Basically, gave out the... google came to their house and they were like oh crap i mean a, a mini's nice it's not like a chromebook or anything super expensive but like sure i'll take it what is it like 40 bucks i guess i'm getting a 40 dollar free product so uh wait, i it's so make up a piece of swag you got uh, i also got a android things developer kit um, by completing a little scavenger hunt that I think probably 80% of the people there completed. Um, I'm not sure how much that goes for, but that's probably around 60 bucks. So, yeah, I mean, that that and the Google Home, and then I get, like, a T-shirt and sunglasses and a tote bag and um, a water bottle. Nice, nice. Yeah. I.O. is... We can talk about the cost of I.O. in a sec, but um, what I was talking about, meaning the new voice thing, so when I was setting up my Google Home Mini here, um, I was you know logging in with my account or whatever. And normally, you know, if you set up Google Assistant for the first time, you have to say the the hot phrase, which I'm not going to say because my phone's right here. Uh, you'd have to say it to kind of get it to the to know the inflection of your voice and know your voice. Well, I didn't have to do that this time because it said like, oh, you know, you've signed in with your Gmail account. We already have your voice profile, so we know your voice. We'll just download your voice profile or whatever on this device. And that had me thinking that like, if there's already enough data that Google Assistant has on me and thinking of all the phrases I've ever said to Google Assistant, which granted probably aren't that much and probably the phrases I do say, or there's probably 
only a certain amount of phrases I say, but I probably say them repetitively, like dismiss the alarm or set an alarm or something like that. But if they already have enough data to have like a voice profile on me that can be transferred around from device to device, who's to say bad Google can't take my oh, voice sorry. and run it through that same wave net process or whatever and make a voice assistant using my voice and effectively make me say things that I have never said. Dude, they could have you, quote unquote, you call and make appointments for yourself. Well, that's that would be cool. Like I said, that's why I want to make the distinction. I mean, there's, there's evil Google that you know yeah. makes it so that you said a bunch of racist, terrible things. But there's exactly. you know, just regular Google that lets you call for yourself, which is also creepy and weird. But now, to be fair, I feel like if they're going to do the maybe if they're going to do the voice call, they have to have more data on me because that was very refined and very realistic sounding. Um, maybe they could just start me off where I am my own voice assistant how weird would that be right i'd basically be having a conversation with myself but answering my own questions it would be like that spider-man meme where it's <laughs> webbing up spider-man yeah to be fair me talking to myself and answering my own questions is just me normally so it wouldn't really be a difference this is but, true this is true so that's what i was thinking now that's hypothetical um that wasn't an announcement at google io that they're doing that um, but it's kind it makes of me want to throw my Google home away. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about these things are, are using, are, are collecting a lot of data on you, especially if they can form a voice profile. You know, I think on the Google assistant and on the Google and on like Amazon Alexa, you have the option to make it like only activate to your voice, which means it knows your voice specifically and knows your inflection. And it has like enough data on your voice to be able to make a voice profile and know that it's own, know that it's you talking. I feel like that would be enough data to turn around and make a voice assistant out of you. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. This is all hypothetical. But over and time, if you use it all the time, eventually they might just have enough. Yeah. Well, this is bad guy Google. Or this is Google next year announcing that you can now be your own voice assistant. Ne our newest Google assistant? <laughs> you. You. Oh, can It'll be like yeah, the Time Magazine cover. Yeah. Where we were the pe person of the year 2006, you know? That would be, I can see that now, like just Sundar Pichai up there all smug, be like, yeah, we did it. Um, and everybody freaking out in horror. <laughs> everybody freaking out in horror. Yep, that's exactly well, how it would go. That was the thing. So I went as, I went to IO, I went as a developer, but I obviously am a journalist as well. And I tried to kind of blend the two because I'm definitely not on the same level as a lot of these developers. I mean, I'm walking around and I'm seeing people who are like from Facebook and from Netflix and from Hulu and from Google. And I'm like, no, they're the real developers. I'm here as like a fraud. I totally, I totally exaggerated my resume uh, to make me seem more developer, more qualified than I am. Nice. Uh, Got to get into those events though, man. I understand. Yeah. So... I went and I kind of saw it as a journalistic thing, but I also kind of just like, was like, I'm just going to get like assumed into it. So I did a lot of like YouTube, like live videos, whatever of, of tech demos and all that type of stuff, trying to compete with the big boys, not very successfully. Um, but so it was interesting when they announced the duplex thing, everybody in the audience like clapped and it was a bunch of developers. And then when I read it later on in the media, they were talking to me like CNET and like all these media outlets were talking about like 
yeah, it was all the blinded developers who are like clapping at the achievement. And then it's all the media and everybody who's not ingrained in that culture thinking, what the heck? Yeah, you know? that's how it, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it was kind of weird. It was initially, initially, I wasn't either one. I wasn't like, how dare you guys clap? But I was also clapping myself. I was more like super skeptical that this thing was ever going to actually be successful. So we'll see. That hasn't officially come out yet. They said in the coming weeks, so maybe in the middle of July or whatever, it'll make a big splash. Um, yeah, and they gave themselves enough room to see if they're going to be just lambasted over it or not. <laughs> that's true. Well, it is obvious. It has been the biggest announcement from IO, although it was an announcement from IO. Um, but I, honestly, I don't think the other things are really like that newsworthy. I did a YouTube video on it, so like, guys, go to my channel if you want to watch like my YouTube, my YouTube re quick review of breakdown of the keynote um android p was already officially announced um the name's not out but like android p got ported over so for once you can actually be you can actually test it on like a non-pixel device including on the essential phone i just haven't downloaded it yet um, i would recommend it i'm testing it on my pixel 2 xl ah how is it yeah it's pretty nice it's uh I, I will say that I've had, I mean, it's a beta, so there's like, you know, beta stuff, but yeah, uh, it's, it's nice. I like the, uh, the new quick settings thing. The only problem is that before when you held down on a particular quick setting, you'd get like options that would just pop up right there, but they've mm -hmm. done away with that. Now it just takes you straight into the settings. Have you also tried to split screen? Yeah, split screen. I can't figure out how to do split screen anymore. So, uh, so go to like the uh, multitasking view where you have like all the cards. Yeah. Hold down on a card. Ah. Very unintuitive, correct? Well, it's still not working, actually. Actually, I guess it's not all that different from. So you told me how to do it. It's way. not. It's not doing it. So. It's not doing split screen. No, it's just if I hold down, I can actually select text inside the card. Yes, that is cool. But Actually, I can't, might, no, split screen's it might not vary by app. It might vary by app. It worked on the Pixel 2 XLs that I was demoing at I.O. Maybe it's some kind of setting. I Maybe. I turned on the gesture navigation, which is pretty interesting. Uh, tried exactly it for like that? two hours, and I was like, this is terrible, and went back to the buttons. How exactly does that work? Uh, so have you used an iPhone 10? Yeah. It is that. Oh, where you, like you swipe up as opposed to tap on the bar? Yeah, there's no home button, so it's uh, I mean, so no, swiping up brings you to the the like, the multi like, the what's it called? Oh, the uh, multitasking whatever. Yeah, it brings you to the multitasking, and then swiping up again brings you to all your apps, or you can do like one big swipe to go straight to all of your apps, and then tapping okay. on the bar goes home, and then the back button isn't always there; it's only contextual, and then you'll get like other buttons that are contextual as well, and frankly, so it's just slower than the buttons and I, is that I, just yeah oh so you can turn off gesture navigation and it just be the three buttons again well in fact gesture navigation is off by default because i don't think they've ironed out everything because I, because i think it's slower than non-gesture mm -hmm. so i think they'll probably try to improve it by the time android p comes out proper uh-huh maybe that'll be the name android proper uh also <laughs> now there's no like switch between apps really quickly 
because like right now, if you open an app and you go to another app, you can double tap the multitask button and it will go back to the. It'll you can switch. Actually, if you apps. if you swipe over the bar fast, like just quickly swipe it over, it'll go to the next previous app. Yeah, but then but you can like that swipes between all of your apps that are open. It only if you hold it down. If you like just like drag it really quickly. Really. Yeah. I'm gonna try it. I gotta try it. I'm I didn't know you it. could turn the gesture navigation off. Well, you have to turn it on. It's okay, on. but when it's off. But when it's off, it's just the three buttons, like normal. Yeah, it looks the same as old Android. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I did not know that because they probably didn't want to tout that, like, you have to turn it on and, like, you have the option to turn it off. Because all I saw at I.O. and all people were talking about when they're talking about the the redesign is that, like, this is the new navigation method. Man. Yeah, it I totally works. Anywhere that you could turn it off or that you have to turn it on by default, in fact. That was my biggest annoyance with the gestures is that I couldn't switch between the apps fat quickly. So I might just go back to using the gestures thing then. Oh, you poor baby. How did you survive before Nougat? I know. Well, the answer is I had a phone rooted and I had the exact same shortcut set up. Oh, okay. I've been using that shortcut for longer than it's been in Android. Wow. Well, that's how that's how Android features start. That's true. Uh, I guess you don't have you don't, there's no notch on the Pixel 2 XL, so there's no reason for you to to do that. The uh the the way that and the way that features go into phones it's first they're in an android custom rom and then they're in android lineage lineage os or CyanogenMod mod previously yeah and then they go into proper android and then they go into ios yeah except for this gesture navigation thing which is definitely a ripoff from the iphone 10 but that's fine because i'm an android fanboy and go android I asked a developer about that, one of the people who worked on Android P about that. I was like, is it because of the iPhone? And he's like, no, I mean, you know, we've been researching different methods for years. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 It's the same <laughs> shape and everything. They could have just put a dot down there. Why the bar? It's literally the same. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, and, like, I love the three, I love the three buttons. Um, and like, I'd be fine with the bar, but the fact that the bar appears, but then the home buttons, the back button still appears over there means that the th- whole thing's off center. Well, no, no, no. Okay. So there are also contextual buttons that will appear to the right. I haven't run into any of those, but they do exist. What contextual buttons will appear to the right? Great this question. Is... I heard about it on Reddit. I, I don't know exactly, but it is. A I mean, I know, I know some apps I've seen like a search bar appear like in the far right corner, a little search button or something. Um, and there is the, you can lock portrait mode, right? You can have it, you don't, you can turn off, if you turn off auto, uh, rotate. Yeah. You turn it to the sideways, you can like have a, there, a button appears that allows you to rotate it if you want. Right. And that's so nice. That's such a nice little That's feature. so much nicer than having to swipe down, turn off, turn off, uh, auto rotate or turn on auto rotate and then turn it off again when you don't want it. Okay. So I just, tri- I just tried that. And it is fantastic. Uh, this is my first time testing it. Yeah, so turn off auto-rotate, but then turn my phone around, and then the button appears in the in the you know home row, and I can... Mm-hmm. What's the what's that called? The button row? The, the navigation bar? Navigation bar, thank you. I keep drawing blanks. Uh, <laughs> I will agree with you, though, that it looks weird whenever the search... Or whenever the back button's there, but, but there's nothing else on the right. Um, yeah. Other things... My favorite... My favorite thing, though is the volume control appearing right next to the volume buttons so that I can and, drag it with my thumb. That is so nice. Why didn't I think of this and how about And how about 
the volume buttons finally adjust the media volume by default as opposed to your ringer. Uh, okay. So here's my thoughts on that. Previously, it would adjust whatever you were currently doing. But then if you were listening to media, you had to click the little gear and change it to, you know, adjust the ringer. And then yeah. if you weren't listening to media, you had to click the gear and change it to adjust media. Yeah. But and now it, it brings up the media by default. And then there's like a little button that we can tap and change between yeah. ring vibrate and silent. I like the new way. I don't like it any more or less than the old way. I like the new way. I like it better than the old way. And I'll tell you why, because whoever was up on stage, I don't think it was Cinder at the time, um, explained the exact scenario that has plagued me. I'm loading a YouTube video. The YouTube wheel is spinning. The video has not played yet. And I'm trying to adjust the volume to like drop it down to zero before it plays. And if I'm hitting the volume button at that time, because the YouTube video is not playing, it will show up with vi it will show up with uh, media, and I'll have to hit the drop down button and drag over. Um, it'll show up the ringer, and I'll have to hit the drop down button and move over the media volume. Yeah, that's totally fair. I'm that that has happened to me as well, but I usually just hit the gear and, and slide it, and that's no problem. I do like yes. the little the tap. The only problem is that like now. I have to touch the screen to adjust ringer volume, period. How often are you adjusting ringer volume? That's the thing. I never adjust my ring. I may turn it on vibrate. I may turn it on silent, but I never have my ringer on. And that may be because I have a smartwatch and I get all my notifications buzzing on my wrist. But, like, I don't ever adjust my ringer volume, especially, like, and if you have the ringer volume, you never, like, set, like, a quiet ringer volume versus a loud ringer volume. It's either on or off. This is true, but the main thing is that, like, okay, so, like, the iPhone, for example, has the mute switch. And yeah. So that you don't have to look at the screen to silence your phone. I often yeah. don't have my phone silenced. I keep my ringer on when I'm out and about so that I can hear if someone calls me. Uh, and then if I want to silence it, I would just press, basically, I could unlock it in my pocket and silence it. Or in, like, if I'm in a situation where I've forgotten to silence my phone and it rings, I could silence it very quickly. That well, being said, uh, the volume button will just silent. It will ignore the call for you if you hit the, not the volume button, but the power button. Yeah. But then well, to then. adjust my adjust my volume after that, I have to pull my phone out. And hypothetically, I'm in a situation where I shouldn't be pulling my phone out. That's true. Well, but then I will say that the YouTube video scenario, that kind of thing, happens way more often than the other things. So maybe the trade off is yeah. worth it. Well, then phone manufacturers need to make like a, uh, an Apple-like uh, mute button or maybe they can make some shortcut in the in the volume button or something. Like with the screens off, you hold down the volume button. You, you hold the down volume button or whatever and it automatically turns your ringer off or something like that. No, they, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't why? give them that suggestion because what I really want for holding down the volume buttons is for it to skip my media tracks back and forth like it does on lineage os it's my favorite feature that's on like every single custom rom that's not on regular android and i miss it and that's I true i like that feature. just to have okay. it. how about if your media is not playing then holding down the volume down button will turn your phone to turn your ringer muted i want a mute switch a la iphone and i know that's like weird that i would like an iphone feature but it's one of my favorite features that iphone has that Android does not, or that no, basically no Android phone has. Yeah. It's a very nice feature, the mute switch. It's so small. It takes up so little space on the phone. It's super nice. It's never going to happen, but a man can dream. Probably not. A man can dream.
Um, so there's some other things. Uh, I remember in Android P, they also, and you probably haven't had it long enough. I don't even know if the things are live in this beta, but they they're gonna like implement machine learning because Google has definitely moved from like software to like a lot of machine learning and hardware now. Um, and so they have their new battery improvement for this operating system version because they have one literally every operating system release they have. They had like Doze, they had Project Butter, they had Project Treble, like they have all these battery improvement projects. And you know, they make minor improvements. I think Doze made a pretty significant improvement back in, I think that was an M. Yeah, but, Doze was pretty great. It was a big step up, I think. But like this, this battery improvement is that uh, it will use machine learning to predict what apps you're going to use today uh, and whether or not you're going to use any of the other apps and may uh, and will adjust your battery profile accordingly and like make a custom battery profile for you based off of what it predicts you're going to use. Interesting. Yeah, so I've yeah, only been using the beta a few days, so I prob that probably hasn't really kicked in yet, you know? Yeah. Uh, so far, my battery life, I was about to say it's been about as good as pretty much the same but here i am i'm at 62 percent at 745 but today i have pretty much just played video games all day so yeah uh, i haven't really used my phone very much oh, okay. I, I would say that the battery life's been pretty much the same on this beta as it was on oh yeah oreo um and that I lament the death of oreo because it is the most delicious of the treats so far I don't know. I think uh, jelly beans are pretty good. Eclair, great. Yeah. Cupcake, also great. Yep. Kit Kat, pretty good. But the Oreo yeah. is delicious. Anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to derail. No, um, I was just going to say, I don't think... So I don't know if that machine learning feature is live yet. It probably isn't because they had another feature that was... I um, can't remember what it was called. But it was basically like uh, you could set a time that your phone will go, that it will turn on do not disturb mode, which is, is now better than it, the previous version. It'll actually like mute all of your notifications and it'll actually turn your screen into grayscale. Um, and since to incentivize you, if you're lying in bed to, uh, you know, to not look at your phone and just give up and go to sleep because if no notifications are coming in and your phone's in black and white, it's far less compelling for you to, you know, persevere and use your phone as opposed to just calling in a night. Um, there was a big much just use Reddit in bed though, so that's almost black and white already. That's true. Um, so there was a big push by Google, or there is a big push now of digital well-being. Uh, this idea that I can, I guess Google is at the point where they're like, look, we're literally having our voice assistant make phone calls for you. We have all your data. We don't need any more. You guys can like, you guys can chill now. <laughs> I like um, I like it because it's like guys, humans are stupid. We need to help them not use their phones as much. Let's make it happen. That's yeah. Um, so it's true though, we're stupid. Yes. So there's a lot of uh, so there's that. There's oh uh, the app suggestion feature. I have that turned off on mine. I know that's in Oreo. Is it better in P? Uh, All right. So in that. P, it's, it's, it's not. Like dynamic and it's not just an app suggestion it's like yeah, parts slices. Of an app. Yeah, those so are slices. i go to the app is this slices is that what it's called i i think so 
I right, let me let me describe it to you and I'll tell you and you'll be able to know if that's what that is. So I open up the app drawer and right there it's got Reddit front page and Snapchat Discover. I don't know why Snapchat Discover. I've never used Snapchat Discover in all my time using Snapchat, but but it specifically takes me to those parts of the apps rather than just opening the app. Yeah, those are slices and shortcuts, I think. Um, Interesting. They showed that with like, uh, where like if you're looking, f if you're in the Google, uh, like if you're in the Google search bar or whatever, and you type in like directions home or whatever, um, you know, it will not only recommend just the Lyft, like the Lyft app, but it'll recommend like, here's a shortcut to Lyft, like request a Lyft right here by just clicking this button. So it's, it's a way to kind of, uh, get a person directly to where they need to go in a certain app in a certain context. Right. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I think that's that's also in, yeah that's in the app drawer, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the app drawer. So at the very top is like here's the apps we think you're gonna use, and right under that is the slices. Or yeah. I have that turned off. Like I said, I have the app suggestion turned off on mine right now. Um, I don't know if I'll turn it back on. Uh, we'll have to see. So you went to I.O. I did go to I.O. While you I did that, I cool did something process. very exciting for myself. What did you do? Tech-related. Yesterday, to celebrate Bought my graduation and also just because I have no self-control, partially, I Bought purchased an open box Dell S2716DG, which is a 27-inch 1440p 144 hertz G-Sync monitor. Weren't we talking about, like, just a couple months ago, another monitor you bought? Shut up. <laughs> 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 no, so for Christmas, I, I was given a mono-priced 28-inch, 27-inch. I'm not sure if it's 27 or 28. We'll it's put them side by size side and see deal. if it's the same. <laughs> Well, that's the thing is one has a big, but I can't, I can't quite tell if they're exactly the same size. They're really close. Uh, and it's 4k 60 Hertz and it's a fine monitor, but, uh, mm -hmm. man, let me tell you this, this Dell is a whole new ball game. So you opted for a lower resolution, but a higher refresh rate. Yes. And boy, oh boy. I I'm sorry. Are you a professional gamer? Do you really need like one millisecond response size? It's not so. It's not the response time. It's that refresh rate. I went to Best Buy. That's basically had, the same thing. And, no, no, and I and they had it out to demo it, and I moved the mouse, and it was so smooth. It's like, uh, I can't. Once you've used it, like you're like, wow, man, I get it. But before, yeah, but before I, that, I was always, I was always like, I don't know, high refresh rate, like that's nice, but it's one of those things where like, I don't know if that's really worth the money. Then I tried it, and all it took was moving the mouse, and I was like, and just like on a web browser, and I was like, whoa! And now, whenever I drag a window over to my 60 hertz monitor, the juddery 60 frames per second motion is like, oh my god, why? You know, I remember <laughs> just a couple years ago when I finally figured out why, uh, on some TVs that were in restaurants or like in Sam's Club, why it looked like so soap opery like. And I'm glad oh, yeah. that I wasn't the only one who first saw that and second of all referred to it as like soap opera soap opera like. Isn't and it I great that everyone came up with the same name for that individually? Yeah. And I really like soap opera. Turns yeah, out it's called the soap it's because, opera effect. 
It's because it was sixty. It was sixty hertz or sixty FPS. No, that's not why. I mean, it's partially why. It's because the content itself is a is low frame rate content, and they're using frame interpolation to make it high frame rate content. Uh, high frame rate. So, when you watch sports, that's usually at sixty frames per second. But you don't think, man, this looks like a soap opera. It's like, no, it looks like sports. But when it's like a regular TV show, and it's at a high frame rate. You're like, this is not what TV looks like. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's weird for your brain. And so that's why. So when you see like content that isn't usually high frame rate at a high frame rate, it's the soap opera effect. The same thing happened so, when people saw The Hobbit at 48 frames per second. First of all, they were like, wow, this movie's bad. And then second of all, they were like, man, this movie looks weird. So maybe this isn't the same scenario here because I was going to say that we have progressed from just a couple of years ago of wow, 60 FPS or high frame rate looks great too. That's not enough. Oh no. Okay. So when I watch a video, I still watch it at its original frame rate. It's not like I'm interpolating to make like YouTube videos, 144 frames per second, because that would be weird. and would have the soap opera effect and it'd be very strange. Yeah. Uh, but when I play games, you know, now I can play up at a much higher frame rate. But my favorite feature of the monitor is definitely G-Sync, which is hypothetically a technology that I don't support, but is very awesome now that I've used it. What do you mean you hypothetically don't support it? So I don't support it because uh, it is proprietary for NVIDIA, and it requires a hardware addition to the monitor that makes the monitors way more expensive than AMD's ah. equivalent, which is FreeSync, which is hypothetically, you know, it's open, I don't think it's open source, but... Anyone can use it, but, you know, NVIDIA doesn't, you know, because they've mm -hmm. got G-Sync. But it, so it's called AMD FreeSync, and it's, it's does the same thing. It's not quite as good, because it does not require a hardware addition to monitors. It just requires that the firmware for the monitor be set up for FreeSync. Uh, but as long as your frame rate stays within whatever the FreeSync window for that monitor is, it's as good as G-Sync. I didn't and know if you've you got a super unsteady... If you've got a super steady frame rate, then you've got problems bigger than screen tearing anyway. So, I didn't know you were so opposed to uh, proprietary uh, technology. It's more that the same monitor with and without G-Sync, the price is like $150 to $200 more. And then and there's a hardware edition where AMD has basically proved that the same effects can be achieved without a hardware addition and without basically increasing the price of the monitor. And uh, then NVIDIA basically just locked everyone out of using it because obviously they want you to buy NVIDIA graphics cards. It's just that AMD's version is a lot more consumer friendly and NVIDIA's isn't. That being that said, I have an NVIDIA GPU, so you know I'm SOL. So I got the G-Sync monitor and boy, oh boy. It is like no no screen tearing is super underrated. It's very very nice to have no screen tearing without VSync. Mm -hmm. Um. Anyway, that's so basically I bought a monitor. That's the whole story. It's fantastic. Hmm. Well, you can enjoy games on that, or and this is a really good transition. We haven't had one in a very long time. Or you could play games on your phone. Next week, when Valve releases their Steam Link app. Yay. Oh, yeah. I heard about this. This is uh, strange. I don't think it's strange. I think it makes perfect sense. I think it kind of... Well, I guess that actually... Never mind. 
Well, well, because I mean, it's basically they already have it, and it's the same thing that runs on the Nvidia like Shield tablet, right? It's yeah, the, it's the Steam streaming. So they're just making that app compatible with all the other Android things. Yeah. Well, is it going to come out on iOS as well, or just Android? Uh, I think it's iOS, Android first, okay. iOS second. Which is basically because you know they already have the Android version that exists on Shield. Yeah. So, what's interesting, I guess, with this, I was just thinking about that. Like, it's because the way a Steam Link works is it's not really like doing anything special. It's really just mirroring your monitor, which means you can use the Steam Link technically to like mirror whatever's on your computer. Like, I've act not. You kind of have to fin fin uh, finagle with it, but like. I've used my Steam Link accident and like somehow messed up Steam where my Steam Link was just showing what was on my monitor. And so like when I like when it froze whatever and I had to do control delete or whatever, like that whole Windows setup system showed up on my TV monitor through my Steam Link because it was basically just mirroring my monitor. Oh yeah, all you have to do to make that happen is minimize Steam big picture. Yeah. And you'll see your monitor. So what I'm thinking is that like Granted, this could play Steam games, but you could play other games that aren't Steam games because it just mirrors your monitor. Specifically, oh. what I'm thinking is this would allow you. Now, granted, you have to have a PC for it, so it kind of gets it's not the same exact thing. But like, as opposed to playing the brand new PUBG or Fortnite mobile apps, you could just play PUBG or or Fortnite on your PC on your phone. That's true. Uh, I'll also say that you can do that. Uh, you can do those anyway without doing the desktop trick. You can just add those games as a non-Steam game in your Steam library, and they'll still work with Steam Link. That's true. You can do that as well. So you can already you do can, that. Well, now you can do it on your phone. That's right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, you'll definitely want to hook up a controller because, golly, mobile players are hilarious when they get into the PC servers. That's true. They're super noticeable. And the only re the only reason a mobile player would be in a PC server is if they're co-oping with a uh, if they're squatting up with a with a PC player. Now one just thought I would. Seen, one thing I've seen is when they're talking, well, all these press releases are talking about it. It's like you can play it on your phone. Uh, you'll need either a five G Wi Fi connection or an Ethernet connection. And I'm thinking like, how am I going to get an Ethernet connection to my phone? Got to get that uh, USB C Ethernet adapter, Nate. Do those exist? Uh, yeah, I'm sure they exist. Mainly, they're probably for PCs mostly, but I'm sure they exist. In fact, that's true. I'm pretty sure there is one for MacBooks specifically. So, I remember before USB-C was a thing, um, I had a US a micro USB to USB adapter, um, yeah. and so I used that to plug in, um, use that to then plug in like a USB to Ethernet adapter and plug an Ethernet cable into my phone. It's like an OTG. That's what they call them. Yeah, OTG yeah. Nothing, adapters. nothing happened. Um, Oh but, really? <laughs> like, that's what I imagine when they see plug an Ethernet cable into your phone. It's just people walking around with like adapters attached to adapters to have your phone hardwired to your computer somehow. I have no idea if that would work. <coughs> I hope it does though. That would be amazing to see someone playing like PUBG, the PC version, via a controller hooked up to their phone, which is hooked up to an Ethernet adapter to their home internet. It would mean they're basically sitting like five feet from their computer anyway. Yeah, at some point you realize that you just have to kind of just play on your computer. It's far better experience. No um, kidding. As it always is, Nate. And that's the interesting thing. This kind of also doesn't really make sense for like Steam Links. Like I guess the idea of a Steam Link makes more sense because you know you can hook it up to a big TV and you know 
granted, you have to be in the same Wi-Fi network, which means you're probably in the same house, but like you can be in a completely different room and it'd be on a bigger screen than you might have for your current monitor. And that yeah, makes that's why I got mine. Yeah. But for this, you're going to be on a smaller screen and granted it's on your phone. So it's maybe more mobile, but you still have to be on the same Wi-Fi network. There's no LTE streaming yet. So you would have to be in your house playing the game on your phone as opposed to playing the game on your PC. It just makes less sense. Like, yeah, I'll, and, and I'll give a rebuttal, but then a rebuttal to the rebuttal. Sure, go ahead. The, the counterpoint would be, well, you know, what if my spouse wants to use the computer? I'll just play the game on my phone, a la the Wii U, and, like, the spouse wants to use the TV, so I'll play the Wii U game on the, on the handheld. Yeah, but this isn't the Nintendo Switch or the Wii U. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and the counterpoint to the counterpoint is that, well, if someone's playing a game on the PC, it has to have focus most of the time. Yeah. So another person can't use the PC. So I don't I don't really see the use case for this other than I think it was like, well, the app already exists. Wouldn't take much work to get it working for uh, other Android phones. Might as well have it out there if people want to use it. Can always use that those sweet sweet Steam sales and whatnot. Yeah. It'll make a lot more sense when they have L, uh, LTE streaming because then you can literally just be playing your Steam games, which is like what I want to do, you know, I would just, if I'm bored in class. Granted, I don't You'd have to carry around the controller or whatever and hook that up, but like, if I could. I mean, I, I pretty much have a controller on me most of the time. Will I carry my big laptop around? That's true. I mean, I do have a Steam Link controller. I don't know. Can you just Bluetooth that to your phone? No, the Steam controller uses a Wi Fi band, but the DualShock 4 and DualShock 4 and the second version of the Xbox One controller both have Bluetooth. Hmm. The original version of the Xbox One controller doesn't because when it's hooked up to the Xbox, it uses a, a proprietary Wi-Fi band. But um, when you when they did the Xbox One S, they added Bluetooth compatibility so that it could more easily hook up to computers. So you don't have to buy an adapter for that. Uh, actually, I I literally had for like five minutes. I've been staring at Google search results for Steam Link app, and right here in front of me, one day ago, Steam controller gains Bluetooth LE to support the Steam Link app. So yeah, you could Bluetooth your steam controller to your let me ask this can you tell me if that's a new version of the steam controller or all or all of them getting an update like do they already have a bluetooth radio in them uh this led to some confusion the steam controller's bluetooth radio isn't actually usable and has and hasn't been since it was released the new post in the steam controller steam group though it seems the bluetooth low energy will be enabled via a firmware update that simply install through your pc Nice. So there is. So it's a dormant radio in the controller. That's pretty sweet. I mean, I guarantee you, Steam's not making more Steam Link controllers. Those things just are terrible. Yeah. I really wish they would put out a new version of the Steam Link that supported higher resolutions and frame rates. The current one's limited to 1080p 60, which is fine. But I wish I could stream 4K or 1440p or whatever on the Steam Link. It'd be nice. Well, but we are, really we're not all anyway. walking around with 4K TVs. So. But a, a, a much larger percentage of us are now than they were when the Steam Link came out. And the percentage is only rising. Because basically now, if you're buying a new TV, it's going to be a 4K TV. Like there are, Even if you're buying like a mid-range to low-end TV, you're probably going to buy a 4K TV. That is true. Um, yeah, that's true. It, it, basically, 4K has reached the sales ubiquity of 1080p if you're buying a 1080p tv it's because you're getting a crazy good deal or it's a discount television yeah 
not because it's the one giving it to you on deal it's not your ideal tv you know what i mean yeah no no talk to me more about my ideal tv the guy who sold me let me tell you about the lg oled series You mean your twenty five? What is it? Twenty five thousand dollar TV? Twenty five hundred dollar TV? Twenty five thousand dollars? No. I take, take your stunned is not. That's not the current price. Twenty five thousand dollars. Uh. Did it cost you the price of a small car? It did not. My TV was about twenty one hundred dollars. Okay, cool. So it just cost all the money I make this summer. Got it. It costs about the price of an old small car. Yes. <laughs> Like a 98, 130,000 miles on it car. Got it. Right, right, exactly. Still get you from A to B, my friend. That's that's all that matters. Exactly. So anyway, uh, what were we? What were, What do we start with? You said something about your LG OLED something something something. Oh well, you said tell me about my ideal TV, and I said let me tell you about the LG OLED series. I'm let's, just making a joke. But sure, let's do, let's do this. Talk about your LG, or do you want to talk about your? Well, you you made a joke, and I said it's because I said it's not your. You're not buying a 1080p TV. That's not your ideal TV now. And you said, oh, yeah, yeah, tell I, me about my ideal TV as a joke. And I said, well, let me tell you about the LG OLED series. Oh yeah, I was more joking. I I was more saying like, tell, talk to me more about this. The guy who sold me my 1080p TV. Yes, well, it is a good TV. It is a good TV. It's still working. And you got it at quite a deal so i supposedly i mean i have no concept of what a tv costs even as i was shopping for them last year i was like why do these all where's like the 30 dollar tv <laughs> where is the 30 dollar 4k hdr 75 inch tv right why doesn't this exist there's got to be a huge market for this if i can make this product i would be rich or very poor because the costs are way too high. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much return on investment. Uh, no. That it would be like Movie Pass. Okay. Ooh, good transition. We need to talk about Movie Pass. Yes, we do. You're welcome um, for that transition. It was beautiful. Thank you. You knew, you read my mind. Um, actually, I guess I texted that to you last week, so that's how you knew. Um, okay. I read your text. Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to start this conversation? Sure, I'd love to. So I don't know why. Pass. It feels like we're sitting down. Like, let's talk about the birds and the bees. Who who wants to, like, do you, <laughs> do you want to talk about it? Sure, you, you go ahead. I've got the talking stick, in other words. So, MoviePass, which any listener of this show knows that I am a big fan of, despite, you know, their immediate, their imminent doom, uh, is... Well, I, think, I think the imminent doom of them makes them even more likable. Right, right, right. So because they clearly just don't care anymore. Sorry, I have to check a little bit. They sent out no, despite rumors that they have like like their parent companies like fifteen, like is spending like twenty million dollars a year, and only has I think I saw something that was like they spend twenty million a year or twenty million a month, and they have fifteen million in the bank right now, which theoretically. Yeah. Be- bankrupt at the end of this month and even if they make a return on investment they have enough for like two months worth of of uh of like actual continuation before they have to declare bankruptcy um even though they sent out an email to me and i'm pretty sure all subscribers 
They were like, hey, share this link with your with like up to three friends, and they can get a free month, and then they sign on to the they can sign on and get a movie pass. So they're relentless in face of extreme adversity that they just have this crazy belief that like nothing's wrong. Right. So it came out last week in an earnings call or something like that. Basically, that the the parent company of Movie Pass, which is just an investment group, by the name of some group of venture capitalists by the name of helios and matheson analytics yeah uh basically has a month of cash left like you said and immediately their stock plummeted and uh it's currently at 71 cents at its lowest it was like 50 cents but it's back up today after yesterday uh the ceo of MoviePass was like no no we have way more 300 We've got more time. $300 million line of credit and could stay afloat for 17 months without raising yeah. <laughs> We've got 17 months of money left. That's so not how credit works, though. A little bit. Yeah, I know. It's it's a little bit confusing. And to answer your question about, or to kind of answer back about what you said with the, why are they doing the one-month free trials for three friends for every uh, subscriber? The answer is to get the subscriber count up so that they can sell the thing to make it more attractive to investors. So if they can get a bunch of people to sign up for a free month, those people are still subscribers. Uh, I mean, it's, it's very transparent, but it might work. Also, they changed the terms of the movie pass. So we discussed recently, I don't, I can't remember if we talked about it on the show, but they, they change so I'll, I've got this is a long story so hang with me and, and I'll get you to the end uh, they changed the default offering to be four the only offering for just a little bit was four movies a month and then a free trial of iHeartRadio or something or another which iHeartRadio a week day. earlier declared bankruptcy so that's right <laughs> which is a shame because that's like all the radio stations in the country so whatever yeah anyway uh and you couldn't buy the unlimited pass anymore. And that, that new pass that was limited was the same price as the old unlimited pass. And they were like, no, no, unlimited's coming back. And no one believed them. But sure enough, unlimited did come back. The only difference is you can't see a movie more than one time. And this doesn't just apply to people signing up now. It applies to everyone. You can no longer see a movie more than once. And perhaps the most frustrating part is that it doesn't just apply to the monthly subscribers on the renewal at a new month. It applies to even the people who bought an annual pass. For so for the rest of the annual pass uh, duration, uh, you won't be able to see a movie more than once. So I bought an annual pass in November, and up until a few weeks ago, I was able to see a movie as many times as I wanted. But now I can only see a movie once. So it seems like they've changed the terms of my subscription part of the way through it, which is well, no good. But I have a monthly pass, and I was never told until obviously like the new things came out and that like alerted me um, in a change log when I opened the app and in fact, in fact told me like the, the app sent out a notification saying like this app is old. You'll need to update it before you can check into a new movie. So like they're forcing you to get the new app version to ensure that you're complying with all this. Um, right. And they're also having a bunch of people take pictures of their movie stubs and send them in when they buy movie tickets. They, they said they've had a bunch of problems with fraud uh, the CEO, in the same statement where he said they're not broke and they have 17 months of cash, was saying that the reason that they made that change because they have so many people 
gaming the system, cough, Nate, cough, um, and buying tickets ahead of time or buying tickets for friends. For example, if you've got four people, you'd go, and the movie's on Friday, you'd go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and buy tickets for your friends and then buy your ticket on Friday. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's even more complex than what I have done. Yeah, so anyway, there are so many problems with that that they've limited it to seeing each movie one time. Even for the subscribers that already had a pass, boo! You did it. You did this to us, Nate. Thanks a lot. Okay, you know what? I've been getting. I'm just kidding. I'm, I've been, I'm just no, kidding. I've been getting crap from you and from my parents about this. I will. Well, you know, I try I not to game s- systems except for all those times where I pirated things. <laughs> so I will you know, say I've only and use like VPNs to get things I don't have regional access to. You know, I never game systems except when I do. So I will say. Um, yeah, I wanted. Listen, this I wanted ship to was sure that I would. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ensure that I had tickets to Black Panther and to Avengers: Infinity War on the first day they came out. So I may or may not have used Movie Pass to buy my ticket early. Mm, tisk tisk. That's okay. Also, I blame you. and I literally said this in a tweet with like at Movie Pass. I said like. When they were talking about this new, like, you can only see a movie once, I literally said, at Movie Pass, or you could check in as an unlisted movie. So like, Yeah, th- but they'll only let you do that a few times. Oh, really? Yeah, they've limited the number of times that you can do an unlisted movie. Oh, I have not, well, I haven't hit, haven't run into that yet. Co- I'm not sure if it's a frequency thing, or if it's just like, you can only do it four times ever, but basically, eventually, you'll either get banned, or you won't be able to use unlisted movie anymore. Well, I have only seen I have seen Avengers Infinity War twice on MoviePass. But of course, MoviePass, I have not seen it. I've seen Avengers Infinity War once and it wasn't on MoviePass. Cuz I was going with friends and they were reserved seats and we had to buy it ahead of time online. So Yeah. Uh and then I have, so I, I still have that movie available. In fact, I haven't seen a movie with MoviePass since the new policy went up, which I know is crazy cuz I usually go to so many movies. Yeah, uh, but you know, I've just been busy graduating and moving and whatnot. Well, what I was saying earlier, I didn't know about the new. I didn't. I mean, I, I th- is it a new policy or was it always part of the old policy that you can only see a movie once? So, before Movie Pass, you went to ten dollars a month, and it was forty dollars a month. Yeah, they had a they they kind of flip flop back and forth several times whether or not you could see a movie more than once. When the Movie Pass went to ten dollars. It was no longer mentioned in the terms of service, and there were no blocks in the app stopping you from doing it. Yeah. And then a bunch of people tweeted at MoviePass and at the CEO of MoviePass asking specifically, hey, can I see a movie more than once? And on every one of those occasions, or on several of those occasions, so there was never a time where they said no. And on some of those occasions, MoviePass answered back, yeah, you can see a movie as many times as you want. And then the CEO as well said, yes, you can use your MoviePass to see the same movie as many times as you want. And that that was after the new pricing, after they went to $10. Because that was I, that was at the same that was when I had the the annual pass was when I was when that was said. Because I that's how I kind of started up Movie Pass like I'm like the second third and fifth movie I ever saw with Movie Pass was Lady Bird, and it was right. like a lot of the pass. reason that people get Movie Pass is to see movies more than once. Yeah, it was not only not only did Movie Pass allow me to see Lady Bird, which honestly, if I had to pay full price for it, I probably would have never seen it in the first place. But I was like, and that's the stated motivation of Movie Pass. Yeah, 
I was like, it's free. I might as well try it out. And I turned out to love it. And I got in to see it two more times because of Movie Pass. And yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah. And so when they do this, like, you can't see the movie more than once, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of annoying. But you did, you would still, in that situation, you would still have gotten to see Lady Bird just once instead of three times. That's true. By the way, Lady Bird Blu-ray currently on sale for 15 bucks at Best Buy. I almost bought it yesterday, but I That's did not. That's unfortunate. Let me, let, me, uh, let me make a note of that. I just wanted to get that out there. So if you want to see it a fourth time, you can do that for only $15 at Best Buy. Or you can just torrent it, which I don't recommend. No, no, I, I pay for movies. Good. Honestly, like Lady Bird's a movie I would pay for. It's a good movie. I saw it twice. Both times on Movie Pass, actually. That's funny. I only saw it the second time because I was with my family and or my mom, my cousin, and my and my aunt. They're my family, but I, I didn't want you to think my media family. And uh, we were trying to see a movie, and that was when they picked the theater we were at, which was in California, was showing basically all the Best Picture nominees. And uh, so they were showing that one. I wanted to see Shape of Water, but they didn't want to, so... Shape of Water was awesome. Lady Bird. Lady Bird. <laughs> so... There we go. Nice. Blu-ray. Are you going to buy it? Yeah, sure. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have a Blu-ray player? I do not. Well, then why are you buying the Blu-ray? What are you doing? I'm acquiring the movie. Oh. Oh. So when you said, I, why not? It was more of a like, yeah, why not? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Not a, yeah, why not? I'll buy the Blu-ray. Uh, no, I do not have, well, actually, I think I do have a Blu-ray player. I do. In my basement. Nice. So I will, I will get it on DVD. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. I mean, whatever you I, say. I technically already have it on DVD, so like I could just get it on a better DVD. What? So, so, are there any other topics you wanted to discuss? Uh, not that I can think of. I'm trying to scroll through my phone if there's anything I had saved. Um, I got a really big mouse pad. You have a really big mouse pad. I bought one, yeah. I bought a really gigantic mouse pad. It goes all the way under my keyboard. It's really big. Oh, one of those nice ones? See, I can't wait to, like, have a kind of more permanent setup where, like, I can really, like, have, like, a gaming rig-type setup. You know, like a nice desk that I get from, like, Ikea and, like, you know, that oh, man. desktop. Yeah, you know, big desktop mouse pad and, like, a big monitor. Maybe some, like, LED lights on it. Like, just a nice setup. Nate, I'm so excited for my desk that I'm going to have in Alpharetta. Let me tell you about it, because this is relevant to tech stuff, I guess. Sure. I mean, we so, worse. So I was looking at desks for my computer, because the desk I'm using now is, belongs to my apartment. My apartment's furnished. And also, this desk is way too small anyway, so it can only, it can only fit two monitors, and that's unbelievable. So... Uh, only two monitors. I was looking at Build a PC, the subreddit, and seeing uh, 
what the suggestions were, and everyone was suggesting basically the same thing, which was get a desk, uh, like a, a tabletop or a countertop or a desktop piece of wood thing from Ikea, and then get these filing cabinets to put under it from Ikea. Oh. And that's a super cop common option for, for desks. And it's in, Ikea intends it that way. You can you can have two filing cabinets or a filing cabinet and a, and a pair of legs or you know any combination. Mm-hmm. Or two pairs of legs. Those are all the combinations. Uh, and uh, I was looking at them, and they all looked really thin and kind of flimsy, the, the tops. So then my dad was watching me do this because he's helping me get the desk and everything. And he's like, I have a better idea. I was at Home Depot, and they have this giant piece of wood that's a, ca- a wood countertop. And it's and, and he was like, we should get that instead of the Ikea one. It'll be much sturdier. And I was like, mm-hmm. that sounds awesome. So that's what we're doing. We went to Home Depot, and it's 74, I think, inches wide. So very large. And, I, and I'm, it's really beautiful. It's super. I'm very excited about my desk. And anyway, I've been trying to find cabinets to go under it because I'm moving in a week. A week from today, I'll be moved in. And I'm trying to, you know, have a desk when I get there. I'm assuming you're still in Athens right now. I'm currently sitting at the desk in Athens, yeah. Ah. Sure am. I got I got out of there rather quickly. Um, so I will be literally living in my parents' basement f- over the summer. Um, <laughs> what a nerd. Because <laughs> my apartment now is, or the apartment I had, I guess, I still own it technically, um, is unfurnished. So we had to move all my furniture. And so I, we moved it all out of my, my bedroom upstairs. And so now my bedroom's empty, and they're like, well, just for ease and kind of give you, like, an apartment-like style of living or whatever, we'll just move you into the basement, which I'm not complaining about. We've got a home theater down there and a pool table, um, and then I can just put my gaming rig down there. Although I am still trying to figure out what's going to happen with as far as Wi-Fi, because there is no Ethernet cable, Ethernet signal down there, and that is a big no-no. <laughs> so there's no Ethernet cable down there at all? No, I don't think so. Oh man, get a power line adapter. That's definitely the move. I that's what I'm that's what I'm planning on doing because there you go. I cannot have all of my tech, including my PC, my server, um, my uh, Android TV box, my Steam Link, all this. I cannot have it all running off of Wi-Fi. Granted, most of it's going to run off. Some of it's going to run off of Wi-Fi, but like I need hardwired cables. Um, and unfortunately, I've been looking into it. Like, could you just like because there's a uh, telephone jack down there, and I'm like. Well, could you just do what you do with a? You could you do basically just could I just put in a, a second modem and a second router in the house? No, because that technically counts as another service. So then I'd have to pay for another internet service package. Um, and here's I, what you do. No, you talking about you talking about that AT and T package? What? Now? Were you going to talk about the AT and T service you have? Oh no, no. Oh, what are you going to talk about? You have a router, right? I do. We have a router. Like that's yours, separate separate from your parents. You've you've got one that you own. Uh, yes, I do. Okay, great. Use power line adapters. Hook that sucker up to your router. Bam! You got your own Wi-Fi network down there. Also, an Ethernet, not switch, but an Ethernet. You know, you got Ethernet for all your stuff. That is true. That would create a very big bottleneck over a power line back to the router. Um, but maybe if I can. Uh... Maybe I can make uh, – I have uh, two switches. Actually, I've got a couple of switches. So I could use the smaller switch 
to split the route, to split the cable coming out of the modem so that one goes to the main router and the other one goes off into a power line adapter down to my router. That way it's not a bottleneck of a router going to a router. It's just two routers going into one modem. Your modem probably has more than one Ethernet out on the back of it. You're right. I think it does. So, that, I mean, you don't need us to switch for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a small gigabit switch. It'd be perfectly fine. Oh, there you go. Oh. Well, then you could use that for the same thing in the basement instead. So, run Ethernet to the power line adapter from the modem. And yeah. then on your end, of, use the gigabit switch. And you can get a... I mean, they have like 500 megabits per second uh, power line adapters, but they also have gigabit ones, and they're not that much more expensive. Yeah. Well, I'm It's like if you're spending wanted... 40 bucks, you might as well spend 50 bucks, in other words. Okay. Is that for both sides of the power line adapter? Yeah, so we, my dad, actually, we just got him power line adapters like three days ago. So I've just looked at, at power line adapters. Okay. And how does that um, work exactly? Is just you put it in one side and you put it in one other outlet in it? It's it's super simple. You run an Ethernet cable to one and plug it into the wall next to your, route, your modem. And you do the same thing on the other end to your device. Definitely plug it into the wall and not into a surge protector, though, because the surge protector yeah. scrambles it all. Okay. So you can get a 500 megabits per second pair made by TP-Link for 40 bucks at Best Buy. Or you can get, well, okay, so it is a little more expensive. You can get a 12, as a gigabit one, you can get a, a gigabit one for 63. And that's what my dad got was a $63 gigabit one. The TP-Link AV1000 two-port gigabit power line adapter for 40 bucks. Oh, nice. See, I'm looking at the TP-Link AV500 for 40 bucks. Oh, this is the AV100. It is apparently a gigabit power line adapter. Nice. Uh, so wait, is that at uh, is that is that at Best Buy? No, this is on Amazon. Okay, cool. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't see that. Oh, norm normally six, normally sixty bucks. It's on sale. Ah, well, there you go. So I don't know about the TP-Link. Uh, I know that my dad got the Netgear gigabit ones for sixty-two. I'm sure that the TP-Link are fine. TP-Link is. Um, I mean, TP-Link and Netgear, they're both reputable brands in the. Uh, our yeah. Wi-Fi, you have 1,000 megabits. Cool. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, the Netgear one is called the AC1200 gigabits. I don't know why it's called the 1200 other than they're trying to make it sound like it does. Oh, yeah, extremely fast speed up to 1.2 gigabits per second. Ooh, 1.2. 1.2, and that's the 6299. That's the $63 one. Okay, well, I'm seeing an AV1200 for $70 up to 1200 megabits i mean i don't have i don't need more than gigabit i mean yeah i think the gigabit's probably sufficient piping I mean, out of my house i have i have the netgear model that only does 500 i don't use them currently but that's what i was using for a long time i mean piping out of my house piping out of my house we only have 150 down and um as far as any local connections from device to device that would never leave that router so it would never have to travel over the power line adapter. Uh, right. So yeah, a gigabit would just give me more than enough speed to get my full Wi-Fi connection down. All right, well, good. I will do that. Add to cart. Well, there you go. Yeah, so for me, the bottleneck was the internet speed, not my adapters. But at the new place, the bottleneck will be the adapters if I use them because I'm going to have gigabit internet, which I'm so excited about. 166. I should not buy this. Hard drive. I don't, should buy it. No, I'll save it for later. I don't need the hard drive right now. All right, all right. I'm not about to drop 160 bucks on. Them. <laughs>
So on the next show, we're going to be able to talk about how awesome gigabit internet is. And I'm just going to brag about it the whole show. Yes. On the next show, actually, I should, um, I should be down in my basement, uh, or I might be in Athens actually it depends. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but yeah, we could potentially get together for the next show. We could, we haven't done that since the first show. That's right. Um, we'll talk about it off the air. Of course. Okay. Well, uh, you want to wrap this up? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. I think it was a good episode. It's been about a month. So I think we had, it's about time. Yeah. It's about time. Cool. All right. So thank you so much guys for listening and for sticking around and waiting for a month for this episode to come out. Hope you didn't just hope we didn't disappoint. Colson, if they want to get in touch with you, how would they do that? You can follow me on Twitter at Colson IRL. And also, you can watch me on Twitch at NowLoadingColson. Nice. Uh, which is a reference to uh, a new company and podcast and, and stuff that I'm starting with a friend called NowLoading. But also, it works as a username as well, I think. Ah, cool. Is that uh, That's the you bringing back uh, the Surface Nerd, but different, right? The Sort of, yeah. I mean, so we're going to do a bunch of gaming stuff, including a regular talking podcast, and uh, we've started recording some shows. None of it's be- none of it's near ready to release, but I have started streaming just some Fortnite and stuff, just more so that I can practice and get better at, at being on camera while I'm playing a game, so that I can talk and play at the same time. Wow. Uh, you've recorded it- shows, and like you're editing them, and like doing post work on it before you're going to release it well okay so so now loading is is harry's project mainly uh-huh. and while i am i guess uh i suppose i'm an owner or whatever because i'm here at the beginning and it's our stuff he i'm on the show and he is doing it's basically i'm on your show and you do all the editing and stuff except in this case what he's doing is way more work because not only does he line up the audio He's doing like actual editing and video editing and crazy. He's got these crazy expensive sound uh, programs. So yeah, it's it's like gonna be legit when it finally is ready. Nice. But right now we're just recording a ton of content. Uh, we we had a show on the Service Nerd called Emulation Station that we did a few episodes of. Mm-hmm. We played old games and we're bringing back that show. That show will be called the Emulation Station again and it, it will will live once more. Nice. Do we have a launch uh, for all this? No, there is no launch date. In fact, I probably shouldn't even be talking about it. But it's on the download. It's probably going to be quite a while because, like, who knows what of this early stuff that we're recording will even get released? Because maybe we decide that we get better as we go, and we will only want to release the good stuff after we've gotten good. But so far, we've recorded games like Super. We've only recorded uh, Emulation Station, so we've recorded Super Mario Brothers and Star Fox sixty four. So uh, yeah, it's it's been fun, and I hope it continues to get better uh, because I think that. It could be some good content. Awesome. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. So that's uh, where you can find me. So like I said, Twitter at Colson IRL, Twitch now loading Colson. And Nate, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter uh, at N with an eight. Uh, it's a very confusing Twitter account, oh. uh, both in its name, uh, N-W-I-T-H-A-N, the number eight. And it's also confusing in its content because it's... Fantastic. So it's not in eight. No, it is. It is in uh, N8. With an eight. I I rue the day that I lost the N eight um, to some guy who doesn't even use it. Unfortunately, <laughs> I know it. Oh, it remind sucks. me to tell you about Nick Scarpino on Twitter, right? Uh, remind me. Okay, tell me about Nick Scarpino on Twitter after I finish up. All right. 
All right, cool. Anyway, you can guys go follow me there, and uh, yeah, that's the best way to get in touch with me. DM me if you want. They're open. Slide into my DMs. Thanks so much, guys, for watching, listening, I guess, because we don't have any video associated with this. We never... That was a plan. Matt was like, let's do a Twitch stream of the podcast sometime. That never happened. Um, and we should have Matt back on next time. I'm going to stop talking now. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.